You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This episode of Great Pets is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This is the Great Pets Radio Show with professional dog trainer Brian Kilcommons and Dr. Jim McKiernan of the Great Bay Animal Hospital. The Great Pets Radio Show. Now, here's Brian and Dr. Jim. Good morning. Welcome to Great Pets. I'm Brian Kilcommons and I'm with Dr. Jim McKiernan from the Great Bay Animal Hospital and this is Great Pets Live on this lovely Memorial Day weekend. Stunning weather. It is beautiful. It is. People are out and about and uh, having a good time with their pets. And you know what? A lot of people do this time of year, Brian. And I don't know if you've done this with yours. And that is to go camping with your pet. Yes. Now, you would think that would be a benign thing, easy, outdoors. Dog will certainly get along. Until it's chasing deer. (laughs) But, you know, that's exactly what happens is that you, uh, I'm I'm waiting for the conversations after this weekend because this kind of kicks off the camping weekend. But, you know, dogs, some dogs, it's just not fit for them because they get too excited. It's it's anxious at night. They're laying there in the tent like, what, just walked by? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not not saying that you shouldn't take your dog camping, but it's just not... It's not for every dog. Well, one, putting bells on their collar really helps. Not only locating them, but also it's going to chase wildlife away. So as far as having bells on them really helps. Mm -hmm. Two, do not assume the dog's coming back. Assume that it's going to run away, and that means you use a leash. Unless you've done, you know, a lot of obedience work and you've practiced your recalls and the dog coming to you with distractions, don't take the chance. You know, losing your dog in the woods is not going to be... An easy find. Exactly. So microchipping the dog to make sure it can be identified, having tags on the dog. And again, you know, trust an olive, but tie your camel. Yeah, but if you have kind of a a nervous Nelly dog, if you have a dog that's just really, you know, just goes through life with anxiety, I'm just not sure. a, A lot of times that's supported behavior. You know, on the way here, I stopped at the gas station, and there were two uh, young women in the car with a Rottweiler cross, from what it looked like. So, um, evidently, the dog got sick. She's cleaning it up. The front, <laughs> the, the that front one door is open. She's left that open. <laughs> oh, the, the window's open that he can get out of. <clears throat> All right, And she's just not... And there's somebody else in the car, so I understand not closing the door if it's really hot out. But she walks away from the car, and the dog starts barking hysterically. What do you think she does when she comes back? Um, hugs him, pets him, says it's okay, you and betcha. And, and rewards that that boisterous canine. Right. When, when you scream hysterically, I'm going to give you attention. Right. So the dog really becomes confused, and that really adds to a whole other problem. Which it, it, I'm working with a client. Uh, she drives two and a half hours. You know, she's up north in New Hampshire. So, lovely dog. Big German Shepherd. She's kind of tiny. And we're talking about it, and, you know, she worked with another trainer for a couple of weeks, and he was pretty heavy-handed. And and he didn't talk about relationship. All he talked about was teaching the dog who was boss. And the dog is like, I don't want any part of this. So I said, you know, good training is both uh, behavior and relationship. 
So why don't we work on the relationship a little bit? Because there's no fun in the training. Mm -hmm. The dog is like, I'll do it if you make me. But with good training, the dog is doing it because it wants to. And you really form that relationship. So one of the things I found myself telling her, and I also tell myself this unknowingly before I work with the dog, what's my intention? When I go to teach the dog something, mm -hmm. what is my intention here? So, you know, and we started talking about that, and it really brought in some in interesting results. Because we, we got away from, I'm afraid he's going to do this, or he's not doing this, and getting it to the point where I want him to do this, and this is the way I'm going to reward him for it. Just changed the whole dynamic. Yeah, well, you know, our number this morning is 1-888-441-9876. If you have questions about the health or behavior of your pet, give us a call. Well, I've been going over the, you know, they get these Google alerts. And there have been a lot of, on the West Coast, uh, children being bitten by dogs. It's summertime. We're out with our dogs, especially when there's partying and people coming over. And just where people, you know, need to be aware. Not all kids are used to dogs. No, not at all. And especially if they don't know the dog. Yep. And, and just being aware of going, okay, where's the kids? Where are the dogs? And are there any bones around? Are, is there any food around? And just paying attention to what's going on to make sure that they're not going to have a problem. And if you don't do that, then and let's face it, a lot of people don't. A lot of people just feel it's a dog, and the, the dog will get around with a lot of people. Right, it'll adjust. It'll adjust. And, and, you know, and that's another whole thing is that a lot of times dogs can adjust to a, a, a known group of people but all of a sudden you add a whole you know you add but, 20 to people to the mix right and and, they're, and, and they're, five of them are kids three to five right you know part of this is i think people miss when their dogs are uncomfortable and if you don't see that sign or if the dog's getting overstimulated you know or it's barking and it's playing rough and where the, if the owner doesn't interrupt that, that never heads in a good direction. Mm -hmm. So as far as doing it, and people who, you know, are guests, if you're uncomfortable with their dog, you know, especially with your children, you need to say something. And you can say it nicely, saying, you know, he seems a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> Maybe he could use a break. <laughs> Instead of put Cujo away, I'm afraid he's going to kill my yeah, kid. Yep. Uh, your dog just took pizza off my plate. <laughs> Anyways, you know, but those two go go hand in hand. So I think in that is if you have a dog that has a little bit of anxiety and then you, the last thing we want to do is introduce him to a big setting, a big public event and have him be more stressed out. I have people come in now to me and she said, um, I said, take your dog out, your puppy, socialize it, go out and do things. And she, she, she said, this was just this week. Well, where? Shopping center. Exactly. Bartsmith. Yeah. I said, know? wherever there's people. Downtown Durham. That's Downtown Dover. You want to take your dogs out and just turn everything into a really nice, pleasure, you know, pleasurable experience. And, and you'll get to meet more people than you would ever think would happen. It's a great experience for both you and the puppy. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. You're with Great Pets Live. Hey, boy. How you doing? <coughs> what am I doing? <coughs> I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. <laughs> 
No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. <coughs> no, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity, and friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. <coughs> Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. <coughs> Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Attention passengers, please fasten your seatbelts, put your seatbacks and sleeping pets in their full upright position, and prepare for takeoff. Pet Life Radio presents Travel Tales, the show where you'll get great travel ideas on perfect places for you and your pet. From Paris to paradise, south of the border to the South Seas, Travel Tales will give you cool tips on fun vacation destinations to travel with your pet, pet-friendly hotels, and advice on how to travel safely and happily with your furry best friends. So get ready to pack the bags and the bones with your Travel Tales hosts, Susan Sims and Nicholas Veslowski, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio. This is Dr. Jim with Brian Kilcommons, and we're talking about the health and behavior of your pets. So give us a call if you are listening on your cell phone. If you are driving, our number is 1-888-441-9876. Brian, I'm going to throw a bunch of names at you. I want to see what you think they all have in common. You ready? This is a test. Yep. Love doing it with you. One's called an autumn crocus. Second's called an azalea. Another one's called a hyacinth. Say it. Is that correct? Hyacinth. Correct, yeah. Uh, baits and fertilizers. Something called a calancho. Coco mulch. Coco mulch. Everybody starting to get the message on this yet? Come on, somebody. Daffodil bulbs. Lily. Sago palm. But anyways, these are all garden toxins. Yeah. It's funny. We, we just opened an area by uh, the back of our house, and we're doing a planting uh, a garden. And one of the things we're looking at is what's toxic. Mm-hmm. So as far as going to the nursery, if you know your dogs are going to get, or cats, are going to have exposure to the plants, hopefully you're not letting your cats out. But if they are, um, you know, making sure that what you're planting is not going to be toxic. <laughs> you know, it, it, I guess my feeling on it is that more often than not, because people call us all the time, and they'll say, my cat or my dog just ingested thus and so. And all, we open up the book. You know, I don't have them all memorized. Right. We do have a poison control that we can send people to, and they'll ultimately tell us if we should do anything different than what we have. But more often than not, they are all somewhat poisonous. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot it of them are. degrees, but a lot of them you can uh, select that aren't. You, yeah, yeah. So but if you go, it's amazing when you go through the list, though, to say, you know, from a spider plant to that, to all the way down. It's like, wow, I didn't know that. But it, it, it's easier if you know. Because mm-hmm. if you do have them and they get into it, at least you have the information that you need for the treatment. How well, often do you hit pancreatitis now with all the barbecues going on? How often do we see it? Yeah. 
Um, Pancreatitis is from eat, eating really fatty foods, right? It can be, yeah. That can, yep, you can get uh, an inflamed pancreas. I, you know, I would say, I would say a lot, but not as much as we used to. Okay. What about swimming pools? Getting sick from that? What? The dogs falling into them or drowning? Oh, no, we don't see that. No? No. So, you know, it's funny because a lot of times people don't teach their dogs how to swim. Yeah, well, that, I remember you telling me that uh-huh. once you went to Florida, right? No, it was in Florida. It was Long Island, you Freeport. Were tra- you were training a dog how to swim. I have this client. He has this 12-week-old <laughs> Akita puppy that's the size of a cinder block and is heavy. So he's in his Armani suit, <laughs> and he, he has his boat, and he's going, I'm going to, you know, throw him in to teach him how to swim. And I look at him and go, Paul, I'll tell you now, you know, he may sink. <laughs> Do not assume he can swim, and he's a young puppy, and he's heavy. Right. So as far as doing it, if it happens, I'm not going in. So, you know, he has his $3,000 suit on. So, of course, he throws the puppy in. His wife is there, in. All right. And you see the puppy just go boop, 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 and sink to the bottom. His wife is now, Anne is losing her mind. And I'm looking at Paul going, hey, it's time now. Right. And he's going, but my suit. I said, I told you. All right. And he had to jump in his little $3,000 suit into the salt water and get the puppy out. You know, it wasn't that long. He was choking and stuff. But, you know, he came around just fine. And I said, I told you, not all dogs can swim. But the problem with pools is you have to teach the dogs where the steps are. Mm-hmm. What they'll do, and even if the dog can swim, they'll try to get out the sides. And what happens, they can't, and they exhaust themselves and drown. I have a client who, they have a pool, and uh, they're afraid the dog's going to fall in, so they'd never let him outside by himself, which was really becoming a hassle. They have pool alarms, both for kids, and they work for dogs. How does that work? It floats in the pool. And if there is disturbance, an alarm goes off. So whether it's a child falling in the pool or your dog falling in the pool, it's really, it's loud. So so it warns you when something happens. So if you have kids or dogs or both, it's a great investment. They work really well. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah. So we got a pool alarm and now he's outside by himself all the time and it's fine. (laughs) Things you can do. Yeah. With your dog. Well, it's summertime, and we have to be cognizant of that. Because well, the downside is, you know, is, is not good. Yeah. You know, you lose your dog, and you say to yourself, darn it, you know? But anyways, getting back to your question on pancreatitis, we just don't see it as much as we used to. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way it is right now. A lot of times, whether we test for it or not, they tend to, it gets better with a very bland diet. You know, stomach gastric protectants, something to make them stop vomiting and kind of get so through what, it. Well, so what are some of the signs? You know, your dog gets into a, a couple of pounds of hamburger. Um, well, if it truly does get a pancreatitis, right, and where you, you get an inflamed... See, the pancreas has so many different um, functions. I mean, it releases insulin for diabetics. It also releases different enzymes that are involved with breaking down fats and all sorts of different other th- things that we ingest. So what happens is, and all these enzymes are in these little packets. So sometimes these packets will start opening up and, and releasing these enzymes in and itself. So that's how it gets inflamed. So, you know, we always say when we do surgery, don't even look at the pancreas. <laughs> because you can actually cause a pancreatitis in surgery, touching it. It just gets so inflamed. So, you know, we don't. You see the pancreas? So Be what, are some gentle. Of the, what are some of the signs? Oh, uh, Vomiting. Diarrhea. You know, diarrhea. Um, b- vomiting blood sometimes. Really? Yeah. Ooh. Um, not eating. 
just 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 almost like food poisoning type Lethargic thing. and not yeah. feeling well. And it's always, you know, a lot of times it's after that. And it's some dogs who just can't. Some dogs can handle it. Some dogs cannot. So you're better off to say, don't do it. In other words, if you think the dog can handle a piece of, you know, fatty bacon, don't. Because that that's, could be all that it takes. Yeah. You know? And that can be an expensive little adventure. You got it. On a Sunday afternoon in the emergency and, clinic. You know, we say this every year, but it's getting warmer out. Um, leaving dogs in cars. You know, I had a, I was taking Wyatt over some my dog for some physical therapy. His joints are terrible. Anyway, I had to go to an early meeting. I went to the early meeting, and I was going to bring him with me. And I said, you know, the temperature's nice, but the sun is really hot. So, you know, I'm going to make the extra trip to run back to the house and get him and then bring him because I'm not taking a chance. So as far as doing this, leaving your dogs in the car, be really careful and understand that heats up really quickly it, quicker than you could possibly imagine I mean you can lose your dog five or ten minutes your dog can be dead mm. so uh, also making sure that uh, everyone's up on their tick yeah can I and, say something on this though Brian I know people who are good people from veterinarians to other people who have had that happen to where the dogs who have been left in the car you're talking minutes yeah and it can happen to anybody, even even any of us who are, uh, you know. I'll tell you what, when, with my dog now, I, I, I would be, you know, I, I, don't want, I don't ever want to be one of those people that it happened to, you know. Oh, I can't imagine. Coming back and your dog is either unconscious right. or dead. Right. you got to live with that. And, um, but I, my dog sits with me right in the front seat. <laughs> I, I don't want to forget. Every time that dog is in the car, I mean, they buckle in, sit there, and I just want you in my eyesight. I'm nervous if I ever have a dog in the car and I put it way in the back, am I going to forget about it? You know? I mean, who, I mean, it could happen to anybody. It's happened to a, a number Jimmy, of people I know. I, I didn't realize you were aging so quickly. And no, it's true. <laughs> it is true. A senior moment. <laughs> All right. Now, flea and tick stuff. Heartworm. Now's the time to check up to see where you are with your vaccinations, your flea and tick treatments, and your heartworm treatments. You don't have to do it. But the other thing, if you don't do it, you're going to be paying a lot more later on and putting your dog or cat through a lot of stress. So you, you were mentioning that uh, they're also talking about natural or holistic treatments. Yeah. And, you know, I am so good I, with that. I love really? it. Yes, why not? I mean, if it works, you know, you think about where we've come as a profession. You know, we had a lady on the other day, talk, we were talking about alternative, what used to be called alternative medicine. Right, and, acupuncture. And, yeah, now yeah. it's not. It's called complementary, you know. So there's a lot, you know, um, this whole omega-3 thing, um, you know, uh, it's been, you know, we now take seriously. Oatmeal, the beauty of oatmeal with skin, we take uh, seriously. What else? Um, there are so many different things now that we can look at to say, huh, it helps. But when it comes to all-natural flea and tick control products, when we come back after the break, I want to go into a little bit of detail because the stakes are higher. You don't want to mess up. Right. I, I don't. you you got to have that faith in the product you're using. Give us a call, 888-441-9876. You're with Dr. Jim McKiernan from the Great Bay Animal Hospital, and you're with Great Pets Live. Hey, love to read, but just never seem to have enough time to sit in one place long enough? For all of us on-the-go people, Audible has the answer. Best-selling audiobooks for your iPod or MP3 player. For Pet Life Radio listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial. 
to give you a chance to check out their service. Choose from hundreds of today's bestsellers, including awesome pet books, such as Bad Dogs Have More Fun by Marley and the author John Grogan, Love That Cat by Ingrid Newkirk, It's Okay to Miss the Bed on the First Jump, and Other Life Lessons I Learned from Dogs by Seinfeld's John O'Hurley, and many, many more. To download your free audiobook today, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash great pets for your free audiobook. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio. This is Dr. Jim with Brian Kilcommons. Our number here is 888-441-9876. We're talking about health and behavior of pets. We have Todd from Portsmouth on the line. Good morning, Todd. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks. Still some questions on vaccinations. Um, for uh, for instance, the, the parvo and the distemper, I understand that the first two are obviously um, mandatory and the third one is optional, um, or at least what we've read, it's optional. Our vet seems to think that it's, it'd be more of a, of a mandate. And also the Lyme vaccine. Um, well, is that leptin? Our previous, our previous vet incur- uh, discouraged it. Our new vet encourages it. We're wondering if you could enlighten me a little bit on on your thoughts on that. Okay. Um, Well, let's talk about the parvo distemper. How old is your puppy, Todd? He's eight weeks right now. Eight weeks. Actually, nine weeks right now. Okay. So um, what I would suggest is this. Uh, You have an eight-week-old dog or nine-week-old dog that's already been vaccinated once by the breeder, I'm assuming, because it's a state law. You have to Right, yeah. Yep, yep. So those two vaccines... I tend to like to give at 12 weeks of age and 16 weeks of age again, and then you're done. One of the things that you, the whole concept of vaccinating is to provide immunity to a puppy as the maternal antibodies begin to wean off. Right. So so when I see all these dogs at four weeks and six weeks and nine weeks that have just been given all these vaccines, they're not doing anything. It's like Pac-Man. The, the, body, the maternal antibodies are just wiping them out. But as the maternal antibodies wean, that's when we hit it with 12 and 16. Now, okay, so do, why, why it, was the third one listed as optional in some? I don't know. I don't know. I don't agree with that. Here's what okay. I will tell you is that at, I know this. At 16 weeks of age, that's when the distemper antibodies have weaned out. So that if, okay. I would, if you would ask me to pick one day to give my distemper, I would say uh, 16 weeks of age. And okay. now it is be- and it's believed with Parvo, it could actually be 20 weeks of age. So I think when you're talking about an optional one, sometimes it's, that may be the Parvo vaccine. But in general, at 16, I call it. <clears throat> you're okay. all done. So try- well, go ahead, Brian. Also, Todd, a really good source of information, the American Animal Hospital Association has uh, healthypet.org. And okay. they have a listing of... Uh, protocols for immunizing or the shot sequence for your pets. Yeah. Most vets are up to date, but the more information you have, the better. 
when they're going, okay, we're going to give them a five and one. We, yeah, we all, we all do it a little bit differently, but you're right, Brian, and that is, I do follow AHA's uh, protocol. So you may want to look at that protocol. So you can have a conversation with your vet, and you don't feel like he, he's just talking to you. You're going right. in going, listen, this is what has been suggested. Are we following this protocol, and what do you think? And, and getting going over to Lyme's, Todd, mm-hmm. I am a proponent of Lyme's vaccine. You are. You bet. So I like to do it at, at, you know, it's labeled for nine weeks, but I'd like to do it at 12, 16, again, six months later, and then at the one-year anniversary. So okay. it's completely off-label. But, I, but again, so it's three times before they turn one. And uh, I, I met a guy at a practice, uh, at, a, at a conference, whose practice is completely Lyme-free when he got to this type of protocol. So it is safe. I don't see a whole lot of reactions to it. And, it is, and you know, we just see so much Lyme, Brian. It's just it's too yeah. much. And it, uh, with aggression cases now, I'm just asking for a Lyme test and a thyroid test just to make sure I'm not dealing with a medical issue. Todd, did you start uh, heartworm yet for the pup? Oh, yeah, yeah, heartworm and, uh, and uh, tick preventive as well. All right, what kind of puppy is he? Bull Mastiff. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that could be fun. Yeah, usually make sure you don't let him get too chunky. No, 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 he's our second one. So. Okay, so, so, so you know. We also have a book called My Smart Puppy, and there's a DVD in the book that you may find helpful with stuff okay. that you can start doing now in the house. It's on Amazon. It's Barnes & Noble usually has it. And uh, Chico Valley has it. Okay. The Humane Society. But this way, what I like about the DVD is if you have other family interacting with the dog, you all sit down and watch the DVD, and there isn't one person going, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> right, right. So it makes it a little bit easier. Hey, good luck with him. It's a great breed. I really all like right, bullies. Thanks. Yeah, keep us posted, Todd. Take care. Thanks, thanks for help. You know, it's so much of what we do sometimes is an art as much as it is, it's a science, and you've got to respect that, you know. And when people come in and say, well, my vet likes to do it thus and so, is that a better way? I don't know. You know, if they don't, there are some very smart veterinarians who do not like the Lyme vaccine. And that's, and that's okay. You know, right. we're all different. You know? But this is a matter of information. And with the Internet, there's a lot of information there out is. there. And it changes the whole discussion when you have some information and you can ask questions and you're getting a response yep. versus going, well, I do it like this and just following suit. Well, you know, you, ha- you gave a great reference, and that is the AAHA, American Animal Hospital Association, has this protocol the healthy pet you got it uh website and they'll give you that inoculation protocol well you know brian when the when when the whole protocol questioning started with cats getting fibrosarcomas from the injection sites and then we began to look at them both we looked at dogs we looked at cats and when and a lot of us as practitioners looked to the avma to say okay are you gonna guide us through this they didn't well yeah aha did so aha came out came out and said this is this should be the, the standard well the other i don't think people realize what inoculations are mm-hmm. you know where you're actually introducing disease into the body so they can you know develop a resistance and it's been my experience and i don't know if there's any research on this or whatever but there have been some dogs that were normal puppies they got nailed with that five in one or you know inoculation after inoculation before the body could really recuperate and i've found that there's been a change in temperament where before the dog was very, or puppy was very stable, and all of a sudden it's a flake going, okay, what's going on? What's changed here? 
Well, I don't know. I, I can't attest any of that. But what I can tell you is that there's a reason why we don't have a lot of distemper. And it's because we vaccinate for it. Absolutely. And, and, and you know what? We don't need to vaccinate every year. That's the other thing. It's and even though and now the manufacturers are finally saying, "Oh, okay, yeah, we can go every three years. That makes sense." So you know, after you do it the first year, that second one, every three years after that is completely fine. for all all inoculations or for distemper, parvo, yeah, all, all those every three absolutely. years. Absolutely, you bet. All right, that's no a- question. Now. Let's talk about that. You know, a, a lady that you know and I know, Dr. Jean Dodds out in California, right. who does a lot of immunity work, she feels that as dogs age, like the older dogs, their immune systems aren't as great, and maybe at that point you should start giving it every year. You follow? Yeah. Like give it a lot when they're young, give it a lot when they're older. Um, I, I'm still not there. I Once I start in the beginning, I go every three years, and so far it's so good. Well, you can also get a tighter pulled, correct? You can good question a tighter is a tighter is just kind of gives an assessment of the immune response to the bug in other words you can get a a tighter to kennel cough to say you know is my does my immune system have a good tighter to that so if i get sick it's going to beat it but kennel cough is terrible example of it Uh, but yeah exactly (laughs) right but but you can get tighter for rabies but the state doesn't recognize it you can but you can tighter distemper and parvo that's a great idea i'm getting tighter for rabies because I work with so many dogs. You bet. You know, I had the, the rabies prophylactics. Right. So uh, I want to find out if that is still, you know, viable or I need to do it again. Yep. Yep. But it's a good idea to, uh, anyways, getting back to Todd, check out that AHA website and, um, and follow that information. There's a lot of smart people who get involved with those recommendations. All right. The other thing with people, you know, we're taking our dogs with us more. The weather's nicer. You know, restrain them. You know, I'm going down off Epping uh, on exit 7 and this woman has literally her arm out the door with a little Pomeranian in the crook of her arm no leash, no collar and she's driving with the dog and Mm -hmm. I'm going, this is just a matter of time you know, you're going to be saying goodbye to this little thing soon so as far as whether you use a harness or a lead and collar, make sure your dogs are secured they will jump out of the cars, they don't figure out they're going to, you know, this is going to be her painful. Mm-hmm. So give us a call. one 441 9876 I got a great trick, too, for uh, getting dogs to behave in a car. We'll go over that when we come back. You're with Great Pets Live. Dr. Jim McKiernan from the Great Bay Animal Hospital. I'm Brian Commons. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacher's Pet Sessions.com.
Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Great Pets Radio. It's Dr. Jim with Brian. 81 9876 So, I'm listening to NPR. There's a new book out called Birdology. One of the things that was absolutely stunning, which I didn't realize, in North America, mm-hmm. we have lost 25% of the bird population. 25%? Do, do cats being outdoors? Cats, lights, you know, pesticides, oh. insecticides. Um, well, what do you mean <clears throat> we've lost them? Like, do we, they no longer exist? They don't? The, well, let's say if you had 100 people in a room, yeah. you come back, there are 75. Oh, okay. So we still have them. They're dead. The, non- the numbers we used to the, have. The numbers. You know, we have barn swallows. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago, we had like eight, ten. We have two. And we're lucky to have them And when they're migrating. So, and the other thing is, I'm going to, I'm so angry about this, BP. Right. That, you know, they don't tell the truth. Well, yeah. I mean, can you I know, just the, tell you the The hubris that they have. They have some <laughs> spokesman's going, this is a natural disaster. Yeah. Going, oh, really? By using a faulty pipe to begin with? Well, they're doing something different now. <clears throat> well, what you know, one of the reasons we're in this situation is because they have a specially double-lined pipe. And these geniuses got a waiver to go to single. And that's one of the reasons we have the problems that we have now. But after thinking about it, <clears throat> I'm writing my congressmen and senators and the White House and going, charge them. It, this is criminal. What they're doing to animals, what they're doing to people, what they're doing to the environment. Mm-hmm. This is way beyond whoops. And we need to start taking steps. Also, when you look at what happened with the Exxon Valdez, 20 years with Exxon messing around with payouts. All right? BP can't do this. And there's a station I go to by the house. It's a BP station. I like these guys. I'm going to stop and go, you know what? I can't buy gas from you anymore. I will not support these people. You know, and you may want to see if you can change vendors because I want to support your business and your local, but I'm not supporting these people. You know, and hopefully the government will charge them criminally and give them a wake-up call. Uh, Carville uh, was on, uh, who's from Louisiana, and he said, do you want to see these guys get a move on? Hit them with criminal charges. Put them in jail and get them to open the wallets and do what they're supposed to be doing here. Yeah. And it's still not going to fix it. Well, it is what it is. Well, I think, you know, uh, you know pe- it, people need to start voicing yeah. and getting on our government representatives and going, you know, you're the guys who cozy it up to these creeps. Right. You know, when are we going to start taking a stand here? Because it is going to impact us. And the, the, the economic impact on these 
people in Louisiana. They're wiping out generations of families that yeah, used to make their livelihood like this. You know, we talk about um, you talk about enforcing stuff, Brian, and with the belief now is that a lot of these puppy mills, they're not being enforced. They're not because it's run by the Department of Agriculture. Right. They don't have enough inspectors. And and to their to their credibility, they don't. They don't have enough. However, so there's a there was a big to do on the AP that said, you know, puppy mill enforcement is, is woefully low. And this is one of the reasons why these puppy mills in deplorable conditions, etc. So, you talk about chasing the money following this down. Yeah, you, but you know let's, what? Let's wait, 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 I get a different opinion on this. Yeah. All right. Every time there's a the, the mall that uh, of New Hampshire, there's a puppy store in there. Mm-hmm. All right. Every time I walk into that store and I see somebody buy a puppy, either knowingly or unknowingly, they are saying we support puppy mills. You got it. That's where I'm going with this. Okay. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Right. Yeah. They have banned sales of puppies from their little pet stores. Okay. Right. Since then, on May 25th. Since the retail pet sales have been banned, the animal adoption at city shelters have risen 23%. So isn't that an interesting way to approach it? Instead of saying, we can't, you know, going after the puppy mills to try to get them in less deplorable conditions, is to go right where the, the money is. Right, and if you want a purebred dog, go to Breed Rescue or deal with a purebred dog breeder that is reputable, that only breeds once, twice a year. 23%. We'll have to bring that up with Kachiko when they come in, but, you know, I, that's, that's, that's good. That's oh. a, you know, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, people say, I'm saving it. No, you're not. <laughs> you're, you're just making room for the next bit of profit. Well, yeah, I know. I hear that, Brian. And a lot of times people will go in, and I have this one woman who is, is a pug, the cutest little pug, and she just couldn't say no. Like after four different visits over a two-day period, she finally said, I have to take this dog. But it's tough. But you know what? You're right. You're not saving it. No, because there are some poor pugs in a cage somewhere you know, that are being bred until they drop or living in their own filth. Because good breeders will not sell to puppy stores. What do you think about this? What do you think about coming out with it and saying, you know what, we're going to ban this. There's no more puppy sales to go. But then we start getting into legal stuff. Well, it's happening in other states. Well, the thing is, it's probably going to be challenged. You have Marshall Myers with, you know, um, the pet trade. And he's a pretty heavy lobbyist. So as far as, you know, challenging this in court, because some of the things, you can't prevent people from making a living. Mm Mm-hmm. So either we increase the standards and get the investigations going. We should do a surcharge on these puppies. If we need more inspectors, if they're making their living by breeding 50 different breeds of dogs and it's a puppy mill, put a surcharge on them. Every time they sell that puppy, it's going to be another 50 bucks that goes in to fund this. Mm -hmm. Because we're, we're cutting way back in the government. Well, in this case, if there's cruelty involved, and there usually is with puppy mills, have them step up to the plate. And start paying for the investigations. Mm-hmm. And also where the courts are turning around and treating this differently. Mm-hmm. Going, okay, this is serious. That's a, that's a nice number, though. And you think about the number of adoptions that a place like a Chico go through. And if you up that by 25%, I'd like to see that. That would be terrific. It would be terrific. You know, another thing, another question I had recently, Brian, was let's go all natural on some of our flea and tick prevention products. <laughs> I had a whole other image when you said that. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I'm fine with the all natural thing. But uh, I, And there is a product out. And, 
and I do use it. And I went to a conference where I had a lot of very smart people from New England sit, and we talked about ticks, and I was the only guy carrying an all-natural product. But here's the thing. I don't think they work that well. The all-natural product. They don't. Right. So, you know, here's some, some quick Q&As. Um, this is from a guy named Messonnier, Sean Messonnier, who's a vet. And he says, why, why not use spot-on agents like Frontline and Flea Calls? He said, they're unnecessary for most pets. This is this veterinarian, Messonnier, who wrote this book on, on, on an all-natural approach. Mm -hmm. They contain chemicals that can last in the body a long time and can cause side effects. Hmm. So yeah, the next question was, what natural alternatives are safe to use in dogs? Organic shampoos, sprays, powders containing neem and citrus oil, etc. Do cats and dogs require different treatments? No, but make sure that the product you're using can be used for both. Look, here's the thing. The, the, when you start talking about flea and tick-borne diseases that we're going to be, that we're facing, I, ne I need some faith that it's going to work. I just it, don't it, have it, faith. It's known as research. Yeah. You know, they, they can test the efficacy here. Well, what, you know, as far as it being all natural, there's still a chemical compound. Yeah, and I carry it. I use it. I've used it in my own pets, and I've given it to people to come back and say, tell me if it works. And here's what it does. You've got to put it on. It, instead of, like, going into the skin and not seeing it, you're, you, you basically kind of put this You cover the dog with it. Yeah, they smell like a Christmas tree. And it doesn't Not really bad. absorb, but it does absorb into their couch, into their, you know, their furniture, right? And if you do see a tick on there, their response is, well, just give more. Because you, pretty much there's no upper limit of what we can give. So just give more, you know, every two weeks, sure, give more. And I bet you the more you give, that probably has some effect where the tick is going to say, this is really a nasty environment. I'm going to jump ship <laughs> to go somewhere else. Possibly, or you may wind up tearing in the house every time the dog comes by due to yes. being overwhelmed by blue spurs. Yes, or every time you pet the dog is you're going to get this stuff on you as well. That's my point. So I, as much as this, this veterinarian can say, hey, you know what? Go all natural. Not, not Dr. Jim here. But the other thing as far as he's a scientist. You know, as doctors, you're scientists. And usually if you're going to be recommending something, there has to be some type of research behind it. And with the pet industry, as big as it is, if there was a really effective all-natural flea and tick repellent, people would buy it. So, um, you know, why don't they start looking at that and coming out with some research and comparing it to a front line um, versus natural? So we can see what's, uh, how effective it, it's going to be, and then it may be worth it. But just saying, this, this is bad, you need to try this. Yeah, but, but uh, if you're at home and you're in front of your computer, Google this. Go ectopamine, E-C-T-O-ectopamine. And it's an all-natural flea and tick product that you can use. So try it. You, you, Any you, side effects? Other than smelling like, you know, citrusy and the garden and, you know whatever else. But if you're using a lot, you may, the side effects may pop up. It's Dr. Jim with Brian. We'll be back after this break. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pet's ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back here with Great Pets Live. I'm Brian Cummins with Dr. Jim McKiernan from the Great Bay Animal Hospital. And we're talking about pets. What? Who? How many people own cats out there? And what do you you hear this? Hairballs. Hairballs. We used to have a cat that used to eat really fast. And then she'd jump up on the top of the refrigerator and then regurgitate it. (laughs) It was was lovely. (laughs) I finally put a pan of water on top of the refrigerator. She jumped up there and went, oh, not doing that again. Yeah. Um, Look, a couple of things. Hairballs, yes, they are more common in longer breed you know domestic long hairs are just big because it's basically fur and they're grooming themselves and right. it gets in their system then they eat it and they then they eat it and up it comes so have i ever seen i was just reading something on there it says dangerous and they said oh my gosh yes they can cause an intestinal uh, intestinal obstruction and you know, all these different problems they really don't they kind of throw up a lot you live with a cat that throws up you know right so what do you do groom your cat oh, i don't know how many people would do that i do it with my own cat he likes it. I have to. Otherwise, he mats up. Yeah, just know there's a time limit. Yeah. Do short periods of time. If you try to go, okay, I got a half hour, I'm going to groom the cat. You may be five minutes into it, and the <laughs> cat is like, you know, and I'm going to kill you. He touched me again. <laughs> Cat's like, uh, wait a minute. We're almost he, done. But anyways, uh, groom your cat. That's a way of getting some of that hair off. Secondly, they talk about you can give something like canned pumpkin once a week to your cat. just helps. And what it is, it's fiber that goes through the cat system that will move this hair mat, hair ball, along. I use that for dogs that um, were cutting back their food, and they're used to getting, you know, two cups from an hour at a cup, and the canned pumpkin axe is fiber, so they feel like they're full, and it's yes. a great way to re- get them to reduce weight. Yeah, it's not pumpkin pie filling. It's actually canned pumpkin. Right. But, yeah, it's fiber. And, you know, Brian, you can go to the pet stores, and you'll see a hair ball di- uh, designed diet. And essentially what that is, it's fiber added to the food so they just charge you more for it there you go <laughs> it's a, a brilliant idea it's almost like if we give some metamucil to this cat in a kernel then sure enough it's going to take these hairballs and it's going to move them to the back end and since you don't want to spend a lot of time grooming your cat i'm telling you this grooming tool the firminator is the best it is just it cuts down the amount of time it gets out an unbelievable amount of hair and with ben our cat he's 19 firminator yeah but with him, I got about five minutes before it's like, hey, enough. <laughs> but I can do five minutes three, four times a day, and it winds up where he's getting groomed. And because he's getting older, he can't turn around as much. He needs some help there as far as keeping himself tidy. Not, listen, 19's a great number. Great number. Yeah. Well, can't see out of one eye. He's arthritic, you know, but so far, so good. Hey, one of the things he, he's starting to do is I think he's getting dementia or something. He just walks around the house, you know, with this loud crying and meowing, you know, for no specific reason. Yep. He has water. He has food. Yep. But... That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. He's really vocal. Yeah. And after a while, it can be difficult, especially if you lived in an apartment and other people had to listen to that. But a lot of of times, that's how they... That would go over well. Yeah. They do. And I'm not... You know what, Brian? But you got to check a thyroid. You got to check kidney. But... There, are, there can be medical reasons for the vocalization. Should I bring him to my vet? Maybe an idea. Okay. Hey. Can uh, you recommend any? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We want to thank everybody for listening today to the Great Pets Radio Live. Uh, it's been a lot of fun helping you with questions, and you can check us out also soon to be our website coming up. Yep. In the next couple of weeks, where you'll be able to type in some questions. But anyways, this is Dr. Jim, Brian Kill Commons. Remember, restrain those dogs. They will jump out of a moving vehicle. Um, so having a lead or a seatbelt on them is a really good idea. And enjoy this Sunday. You've been listening to the Great Pets Radio Show. Join Brian and Dr. Jim next Sunday for more informative pet talk. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.